Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lord Almighty, I feel my temperature rising. Burning through to my soul. Yeah. Cats, cats, cats. You're gonna set me on fire. Mm-hmm. My brain is flaming, but I know just where to go. Yeah. The season's kicking off and the bill will be a rockin'. And Bosco for the talking. Purple love. Purple love. Boom, the boys are back, and it is time for a Friday Whip Around show, and we're just going to get right to it. We're going to start with the cat chat with my good friend. You guys know the story was supposed to be the original co-host of this show, but he turned me down because he thought I was weird on Twitter, always asking about a dog. He is the beat writer over at the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle, the man, the myth, the legend, a gambling expert, Kellis Robinette. K-Dog, welcome to the Friday Whip Around. Thank you for making time for me. Uh, so when are you going to just buy a McMansion since you can't seem to lose any gambling picks? Well, except uh, for last week, you, you lost the case. Uh, yeah, I lost a few, but then you know what? Surprisingly, I made it all back and then some on the NFL the next day. Usually it's the other way around. I win college, lose NFL this week. It's um, even Steven in that regard sometimes. So I don't know. I guess when I start betting more money on my picks, then I can move into a, a mansion. But uh, for now, I'll just have to live off the millions uh, the McClatchy company gives me for writing about Kansas State. Hey, there you go. Not not a bad gig if you can get it. Um, sorry, I couldn't even get through that with a straight face. Um, we're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna talk about uh, it, it, is, it is a good gig. I love my job. I mean, oh, yeah. well, I, I was talking about the millions because again, you know, look, look I, I'm I'm doing I, you know, I'm talking into a microphone five days a week for I'm guessing a lot less than you, but it's fun. It's fun to talk about sports and for you write about sports, you know. It's it's you know every little kid's dream to like okay hey I'm getting paid to watch sports me I'm just you know talking in a microphone with my friends about sports but um let's, let's I have two basketball questions for you before we do a little bit of football on this Friday whip around first off K State has their 13th man uh, Will McNair Jr. Uh, originally was going to be playing for Providence he goes on the Providence uh, overseas trip which I think is a little funny. And then comes to K State, and then he's he might. I think he's going to be playing Providence down in the Caribbean in that tournament. So uh, a lot of storylines there. But K State has their thirteen. They had four transfer portal pickups. If you had to give an overall grade for these four transfer pickups, what grade are you giving Jerome Tang and the staff? 
I mean, hard to say until we see him on the court, but right now I'd say I'd probably give him a B plus. I mean, we've already seen Tyler Perry. He can shoot the lights out. I got some questions about the rest of his game. How much of a passer is he? How much can he facilitate? But man, he can shoot. We saw that on the overseas trip that they made. So that's something they really needed to replace with both Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel leaving for the pros. They got it. I think he was one of the top available players in the market. So that's a big pickup. Arthur Kaluma, we've already seen him as well. I think he's going to step in and fill the Keontae Johnson role. So really nice pickup there. We'll see on the other two, but you know what? Honestly, when you're filling the final two spots in your roster, if those guys can come in and help at all, it's a plus. Um, it's, it is kind of funny that they've just reached out and stolen guys from BYU and Providence the last minute. I'll give them some bonus points for that. I don't have the, you know, the highest expectations for McNair, but if he can come in there and do anything in the post, um, that's always kind of hard to find uh, in college basketball. So even if he can just give you a few minutes a game, a few fouls, rebounds here and there, I think that's good. And then, yeah, Glover, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what he does as well. So overall, pretty good haul for him, I'd say. And it sounds like BYU was in on uh, McNair as well. So, you know, maybe a little bit of uh, rivalry uh-huh. between K-State and BYU when it comes to portal guys. And they play um, twice this season, so yeah, I mean, interesting. It's gonna be. In, I, I'm pumped, honestly. I I don't think I'm gonna get up to Utah for a basketball game, but you know, whether it's the Utes or the Cougars, I'll I'll be up there for K State's first trip to Utah for a, a Big Twelve game uh, for football. Um, final thing with basketball, John Rothstein uh, tweeted out uh, that we should be seeing the uh, Big Twelve schedule released on the 26th, so that's gonna be next Tuesday. K-State had zero Big Monday games last year. Uh, I think we're going to get back on Big Monday. I think ESPN is going to send out a crew to the Octagon of Doom for an 8 p.m. tip-off. Do you have any hot takes or predictions for what fans will see with that Big 12 schedule that's going to come out next Tuesday? Yeah, I think Kansas State will get some nice exposure this year. The last time we saw them um, with really high preseason expectations was after they won the the Big 12, um, the final time under Bruce Weber, I think they played, what was it, like two CBS games? Yeah, they um, had a home CBS game with Texas. I know, I know. Uh, Craziness. And they stunk that year, too, which is funny. Um, <laughs> well, maybe for you. Come on, Kelsey. It was not funny for me, man. <laughs> well, it's just funny that they finally get this big window and they're not as good as they respect to be. I don't think that'll be the case this year. I think they will get some nice TV windows. I think they will be very good. I think we see them. Yeah, I'll go on the limb. I'll say, I'll say we get another CBS game with somebody like Texas or Baylor, and then we also see them on Big Monday against Kansas, and that'll be a welcome change from previous years where they weren't even on Little Monday; they were on Tuesdays and everything else. So, yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I'm hoping for you know a Saturday game versus uh, Baylor, uh, but ESPN used to love coming to Bramlage for Big Monday versus KU, so. I, I think you're spot on. I think we're going to see that game return to Big Monday, hopefully, uh, you know, after the students come back. You know, it would suck to get that first Big Monday before they get back, but we'll worry about that next week. Let's move towards football. Uh, big news coming out of Chris Kleiman's press conference. Not entirely surprising after everyone saw how Will Howard end the game just limping around. Uh, what does your gut say? Are we going to see Will Howard try to give it a go on Saturday or do we think Avery Johnson is going to get his first start as a Wildcat? I've heard conflicting information on this topic. Um, from where I'm sitting, based on what they said the other day, I would say he's probably closer to doubtful than questionable. 
in uh, my history with this coaching staff, whenever they give you a status on a quarterback, you cannot usually downgrade it at least at least one spot because they're trying to have some gamesmanship there for the other team. It's kind of interesting. They're extremely straightforward with any other position. Daniel Green's injured. He's out for the season. Um, Christian Duffy, you know, injures his ankle or foot or whatever. He's going to be out for three games. They're very open with his information, but they're always kind of cagey with quarterback. They don't want to just volunteer that up. So I do think it's a question of whether he'll play, but I also know people who know Will Howard and say, if he can even walk at all this game, he's going to push as hard as he can to play. We've never seen him miss any time. So I think the most likely scenario is probably we see Will start, but he shares the field, splits a lot of action. We see two quarterbacks, him and Avery Johnson, in this game. Kind of what I'm thinking, but I really won't be surprised one way or the other. It will not shock me at all if it's Avery from the get-go. Yep, it'll be interesting. That, that'll be the first. I, I'm you know, I'm going to be at Manhattan Brewing Company. I'm sure I'm going to talk about them throughout this Friday whip-around show, but I'm going to be there uh saturday and then i'm going to be at the stadium i'm going to be probably in there when gates open because i'm going to want to watch uh warm-ups i want to see if uh you know will howard's out there i'm going to want to see how avery johnson looks unless i hear something unless there's some sort of news i'm going to be in there 90 minutes beforehand so maybe i'll try to sneak down onto the field and watch pregame with all you journalists um daniel green sounds like his k-state career is done uh before we talk about his replacements uh, do you have any good Daniel Green stories or what's going to be kind of your lasting memory of the Daniel Green legacy at K-State? Truly a man who's been around the K-State football lexicon uh, for the better part of a decade. You know, does is he going to make it to school, the extra year of prep school, redshirting? Uh, he's been around and K-State fans have been talking about the former four star for a really long time. And it seems like his final game has been played. I would just say with him, um, the thing that strikes me about him is he he might have improved more from a public speaking standpoint than anybody else I've dealt with at Kansas State. I still remember his first interview when he was a freshman, and really all we wanted to talk to him about was how he was just this vaunted recruit who um, had a lot of skill, just a horrible talker, could very, barely even quote him, and we all kind of looked at each other and was like, well, it's going to be kind of lame if this guy turns out to be a great player because he's uh, just an awful quote. Um, but he got a lot better over time, got a lot more relaxed. And I've heard, um, you know, once he's done with football, he actually wants to pursue some kind of career in journalism. Um, and I would say based on the improvement that he has made talking to us, I think he can do it. I mean, right now he, he went from one of the worst quotes on the team to one of the best quotes on the team. Very smart, very articulate. Uh, now he's been in school a long time. And uh, I hope if that is indeed what he wants to do, he gets a shot because he, he's smart. He knows football. And I think he would be good on camera or whatever role he wants to be in. Yeah, truly an amazing story. A, a question of, okay, is this guy ever going to make it to Manhattan to being an all Big 12 performer, a Big 12 champion? And, uh, you know, I, I said he's not going to be a Ring of Honor guy, not going to be a K-State Hall of Fame type guy, but he's going to be a cult hero. He's going to be a legend and going to be a guy K-State fans fondly remember for a very long time. Talking about who's going to be stepping into his shoes, Austin Romain going to become the first true freshman starter at linebacker since Trey Walker did it. Um, if uh, a random tweet I saw is correct. I mean, I don't know if that's <laughs> true or not. I saw it on Twitter. I'm just rolling with it. Uh, but how do you think Austin Romain's going to do in that role? It sounds like uh, Austin Moore's going to kind of call the defense, call the shifts and the plays and audibles when needed. Uh, but where's your confidence level in the true freshman stepping up to get a bulk of those snaps? 
Well, first of all, I just want to say I'm disappointed that we don't have a third player named Austin on this team that we can replace Desmond Purnell with, at least for yeah, a little bit. Three Austins. Game. Yeah, the triple Austins. Now, that would be something. Um, I, I think they're going to be okay. Obviously, you'd much rather have Daniel Green out there to go from him to a tr- uh, to a freshman, obviously less than ideal. But Romain has looked good when he's played. And when I talked to Daniel Green at Big 12 Media Days, um, this is months ago now, I asked him who's impressed him the most in the team. Like, who? tell me somebody who I wouldn't expect who's impressed you. And the first name he said was Austin Romaine. This guy is big. This guy is fast. This guy is athletic. He is going to be really, really good. Um, and nobody see. I mean, nobody has said one thing to dispute that since he, he brought that out into the world. And if – I mean, I think he's one of their more talented defenders. Um, he's looked good when he's been in there this season, already has a couple tackles. So I, I think he'll be okay. I don't know that the stage will be too big for him. I'm a little concerned about what you mentioned there, you know, new new player calling the plays. Um, maybe somebody else is taking gambles that uh, they weren't previously with Green in there. So obviously something to monitor, but I, I don't think it's going to be just this huge uh, hole in the defense or anything like that. I didn't mention this in our little pre-chat of the questions I'm going to ask, but DJ Giddens is going to also have to carry the bulk. Sounds like Treshawn Ward uh, experienced some sort of injury late in the Missouri game. Uh, His body makes me think that, hey, he'll be able to take the bulk of those carries. Uh, Where's your head at? Because, uh, you know, he's only spelled deuce and he's he's been a – two-back guy with Treshawn so far this year. Uh, Could they hand him the rock 25 times and uh, win that game? Where's your confidence in him? 25 times uh, seems a little that might high. Be a, but, it might you know, be, but I mean, like, how many times are, are they handing it off? I mean, I don't not Not, not much, and that's, uh, you know, yeah, I think one maybe of the reasons that's the why problem. they haven't been as, as good <laughs> as they want to be this season because they've had to run a lot with a quarterback behind multiple tight ends. And that's true. That is true. All kinds of stuff. Um, so maybe it would be a great thing if they're running the ball all over them and they can give it to him 25 times. I, I mean – I think he's capable. I remember what he did last year against Iowa State when Daniel, uh, when when Deuce Vaughn went down, he became the feature back, and he just ran all over him physically. So, um, yeah, I mean, if it comes to that, I think he'll be happy to do it. I do think, though, we'll see some Anthony Frias in this game. You know, I don't see 25 carries for him, but I think we'll see him a little bit, and it would be a good time for DJ to step up. I'll say that. Yep, I'm right there with you. All right, well, that's uh, the, the big ones. Here's here's the question for you. With all the information you currently hold, uh, where's your head at? What's the score of that gonna, game going to be? I don't know what the line's been doing, quite frankly. I, uh, I have a yearly uh, college football gambling budget, and uh, I was so bullish on K-State versus Missouri, I think I'm done gambling until next college football season. Looks like it's down to four and a half after being as high as six and a half. Uh, so where do you currently, with the information you have, uh, what score would you have? And does K-State cover that four and a half? Yes, yeah, so it's been inter- interesting. I think I did see it touch seven and a half for a brief second um, before all this injury stuff happened. It's uh, kind of crashed down close to a field goal now. I think um, stuff to call because both teams are dealing with injuries. But I, I think this is kind of the reverse of what we saw in Missouri. I think it's a close game that comes down to K-State kicking a field goal this time and winning. Okay, so under the number, uh, and hey, I don't care what it is. Just win, just win. Uh, Kellis, uh, tell all the boneheads where they can find you. And then uh, if you want to put someone in the doghouse, I know we, we said if you wanted to mess with anyone on Twitter the last time you came on, uh, we'd take this opportunity. So if you want to, 
uh, that's fine. Otherwise, we can defer to the next time you're on. Uh, but also just plug anything you got going on with, uh, you know, with the star and Wichita Eagle. You know, um, unfortunately or fortunately, I guess it depends on which way you look at it. I don't have any beef with anybody else at the moment. So uh, no doghouse candidate, but I'll uh, I'll think on that one. I'll defer. That's a good word. Um, until next time, though, yeah, you can find all my work at uh, KansasCity.com, Kansas.com. Um, we've got uh, Kansas City Star podcasts. I come on this podcast some. I talk on the Topeka radio some. And then I'm on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it now. So any of those places. I'm calling it Twitter until uh, they start making me pay for it. And then then I'll leave. Um, so even even though it is just a black X on my home screen, I don't like that. I miss the blue bird. Oh, man. Bring it back. Shout out to Elon. Well, thank you, Kels, for coming on. Uh, Kels' appearance and the Cat Chats all season are sponsored by Manhattan Brewing Company. I mentioned it earlier. That's where I'm going to be pregame. I'm going to be throwing back some pumpkin batch. I'm going to be having some tasty IPAs and all sorts of fun stuff on tap over at Manhattan Brewing Company. Be the most popular guy at your tailgate. Come with a couple four-packs and crowlers uh, and just have a good time. Uh, I promise your new favorite beer is just waiting for you on tap at Manhattan Brewing Company. All right, we're going to kick it to Cole Carmody of Go Paracat, and he's going to give you guys his take on this game for the K-State Primer. So sit tight, and you'll be hearing Cole. Well, I got to admit, I am honored to be making my official Bosco's Boys debut with the K-State Primer. It has been a long time coming. Thanks so much for Scott for letting me do this. But I think we should just get into this game against UCF. Um, Before I do, I do want to say, make sure you head on over to Go Powercat. Check out the Friday walkthrough. It is a podcast, a video podcast. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on your podcast platforms. I do it with former K-State defensive back Monty Spiller. Those episodes come out on every Friday. So make sure you go check out the Friday walkthrough. But let's get into this game against UCF because it is a big one for K-State. As a matter of fact, I cannot remember a conference opener that held this much weight for the Cats in a very, very long time. Just from being around this team this week, I get the vibe that there's a little bit of uneasiness. Losing Daniel Green, I think, is going to be a major impact. Maybe not so much on the field, because if you've watched Daniel Green on the field this year, it was clear he was not fully healthy. He just wasn't. From not being able to move maybe as fast as he had, he only didn't record a tackle in the first game of the season, it was obvious that in the second half of that game, after after he got injured, sacking Brady Cook, he was not fully healthy. And that has kind of been the case for Daniel Green, unfortunately, the last two seasons. But that doesn't mean that he didn't make an impact in that locker room, in that linebacker room specifically. I think that loss is going to hurt K-State maybe a little bit more than fans realize. Yes, he was a good player at times for K-State, but his leadership came off the field. It came in the locker room. It came as being a coach on the field. And so it's going to be up to Austin Moore to pick up the slack. And if you heard Austin Moore's comments earlier this week, they were riveting. He talked about how Kansas State is a better place because Daniel Green was here, not necessarily for the on the field play, but for the off the field things that happened with Daniel Green. So that is going to be a big loss. 
I think that loss is going to permeate throughout the locker room, but I also think that this defense might just rally around the fact that they don't have their leader on defense. Who is going to step up is the question. Um, I think the vibe as far as on the offense goes, you look at the potential loss of Will Howard, I almost look at it as the flip side. What kind of spark will Avery Johnson provide if he is indeed the guy who goes? I mean, this is a kid everyone knows about, the golden boy of K-State football, sunshine. He's got the long hair. He has the potential to be one of the best quarterbacks in K-State history. I know it's early. I know that's a lot of pressure on the kid, but he has it all. He can run, he can throw, and he can do everything that Colin Klein wants to do in this offense. I think the players on offense realize the talent that Avery Johnson has, and that is going to be a guy who they're going to rally around. I think that will help K-State if he plays and really, really help this offense. So he is a player to watch on the offensive side, but another player to watch on the offensive side is DJ Giddens. Treshawn Ward, doubtful for this game. He will not play. I would not expect to see Treshawn Ward uh, until after the bye week. DJ Giddens is going to be the guy, and even if Treshawn does find a way to get healthy for this game, it's still going to be DJ Giddens. Look for DJ Giddens to have a massive game. The Junction City high school product, the first game being the lead back. He thought he was going to be handed the keys when Deuce Vaughn left and declared for the NFL draft, but now DJ gets his opportunity. Between Avery, between DJ, those are two guys on offense who are going to run the ball, I would say, north of 35 times. It would not shock me to see K-State run the ball 40 times against UCF, not only because they get those two guys on offense who can run the ball very effectively, but you get your right tackle back in Christian Duffy. Chris Kleiman said anywhere from 20 to 30 snaps. I would look for probably closer to 40 snaps if he is indeed needed for this game. I expect Carver Willis to start, but Christian Duffy's going to play, and that is a massive, massive addition for this K-State offensive line. It lets Cooper Beebe stay at left guard. That is a big get. Avery Johnson, DJ Giddens, and I'll throw Christian Duffy as guys to watch on offense. On the defensive side, we already mentioned Austin Moore. I'm going to go ahead and say the other Austin at the linebacker position, Austin Romaine. He gets his first start as a Wildcat. Look for Asa Newsom to be a guy who plays a lot. It would not shock me to see Austin Moore spell a little bit of Austin Romaine. Move over to Mike. You get Asa Newsom in there at will. I am very high on Asa Newsom. I have been high on Asa Newsom ever since he arrived and committed to Kansas State. Between him and Austin Romaine, that linebacker, that linebacking core is going to be very bright in the future. But on Saturday, Asa Newsom, Austin Romaine will be tasked with taking the role of Daniel Green. You can throw Bo Palmer into that mix as well. Uh, that is going to be a position to watch for on the defensive side of the ball. When you look at the biggest keys to victory for Kansas State on Saturday, I think it's pretty simple. They've got to be able to run the ball. And they have to be able to defend the run. You have to be able to defend the run against a UCF team who is first in the nation when it comes to yards on the ground and yards per carry. Got to be able to defend the run, but they're going to have to run the ball against UCF, getting their top offensive line back, getting your quarterback in Avery Johnson a start potentially who can run the ball. I look for K-State to be able to run the ball and stop the run. Those are the biggest keys to victory for this game. Make sure that K-State wins the interior. They are strong on the trenches. If they do that, 
K-State will have a great chance at not only winning this game, but covering the spread. Uh, as far as what could go wrong for this K-State team, there is a multitude of things that could happen. Uh, I see the biggest weakness on this K-State team right now is the secondary. People have talked about it all week, but I just look at what's going on with the inexperience, and I don't think these are bad players. And I hope folks hear me when I say this, but this is a secondary that just doesn't have a lot of experience. Jacob Parrish, a guy who was a low three-star recruit, maybe not even a scholarship guy, now he's the number one cornerback. Has he earned that role? Yes, he 100% has. He is an all-Big 12 corner. That much I believe. As the year goes on, he will develop into one of the better corners in the Big 12. Keep an eye out for Jacob Parrish. But Will Lee, another guy, wasn't really tested against Missouri, but this is his first Big 12 game. He had his first de- his first taste of Power 5 against Missouri. Another guy getting his first taste of Power 5 against Missouri that didn't go so well was Marquis Siegel. I think folks need to realize that Marquis Siegel is not only in his first ever action in the Big 12, he's also transitioning positions. He went from corner to safety. So they have three guys on the back end of that defense, along with Kobe Savage, who is still trying to recover from a knee injury. You throw in VJ Payne, who doesn't have a lot of experience. The secondary may have been a weakness of this team coming in. I, I think that that might be an area where UCF might try to exploit. However, the good news if you're K-State, their quarterback does not throw the ball. Timmy McLean, the UCF quarterback, is not a guy who is going to beat you over the top. This is a UCF team that plays old-school football. So while I am worried about this K-State secondary, I am more worried about the front seven. If the front seven falls apart, then the secondary will be exposed. However, if they get pressure on the quarterback, I think K-State will be fine. I have a multitude of predictions. If you listen to the Friday walkthrough, uh, I will give you my score at the end of this segment, and I will also give you my score on the Friday walkthrough. But a very kind of odd prediction I have for this game is I could see a few trick plays coming out from Colin Klein. It just seems like Avery Johnson has been this guy that Colin Klein has been waiting for. He, he seems like the the key that's going to open up Pandora's box to what Colin Klein can do. We saw a little bit with Adrian Martinez, what he was able to do running the football. We've seen what Will Howard can do throwing the football. But Colin Klein has yet to have a quarterback that excels at both. I'm not going to sit here and say that I believe Avery Johnson is going to excel at anything on Saturday. But if he is the guy... Look for some trick plays to happen. Look for some sneaky things to happen. Maybe a double reverse pass. We've seen guys that can throw the ball at the receiver position. Trayshon Ward's not playing, but he's been a guy who's thrown the ball already. Maybe they do a throwback pass to to Avery Johnson, a double pass where Avery throws it. They throw it back to Avery, who then throws it again. I look for some trick plays from Colin Klein. He's already started to do that with plays on the goal line, but with Avery getting the majority of the reps with the ones this week, if he is indeed the guy, look for Colin Klein to really open up the playbook and find ways to get Avery Johnson in space, find ways to make sure that Avery Johnson beats UCF, not only with his legs, but with his arms, with a fully healthy cast of receivers in Keegan Johnson, Phillip Brooks, R.J. Garcia, Ben Sennett at the tight end position, and of course now the emerging Jaden Jackson, they are going to open up the playbook. They are going to throw the ball around the yard, but they're also going to have old school football and run it right down the throat of UCF if that's what works. My score prediction for this game is simple. 31-21 
Kansas State. I do think it's a close game. That would indeed cover the spread if you are a gambler. I like the under in this game. Um, I believe the under the last time I looked was 55 and a half. have to double check on that. Um, if it is under the 55 and a half, then I would adjust my score prediction. But I see a 10-point margin for K-State of victory in this game. I do think it's going to be close. I do think it'll be a close game in the fourth quarter. So if you're coming to the game, do not leave at halftime to go out. Stay in. K-State needs your support. Stay in at halftime. Cheer on K-State. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be a fun night on Saturday. Make sure you're at the bill. Before you do, make sure you go over to Twitter, to X, whatever you call it. Follow me there at Cole Carmody 52 Make sure you're checking out the Friday walkthrough on GoPowerCat.com. Until next time, we will talk to you later. And thank you to Cole from Go Power Cats for that K-State Primer. Go check out the Friday walkthrough, Cole's more in-depth take on this game. Before we send it over to my friend Adam from Sons of UCF Podcast, I want to give a special shout-out to our friends at Charlie Hustle. Man, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm walking Chauncey in the morning, that crisp fall air, oh, it feels so good. My nine different Charlie Hustle crew neck sweatshirts because it truly is the best thing to wear now that fall is here. They're super comfortable, they're super stylish, and they look and feel great. Even if it isn't for you, even if you're not a crew neck guy, they got hoodies, they got joggers, they have everything as we transition into the best month or the best season of the year fall to any possible UCF fans who might be listening to this because Adam's popping on the show. Guess what? They have UCF stuff as well. Head over to charliehustle.com. Get your new favorite t-shirt, get your new lucky sweatshirt. Check out all their great stuff. Officially licensed K-State and UCF gear is over there. So check it out. Also, uh, we're going to run it until Monday. Head over to Bosco's Boys Twitter account, X account, whatever you want to call it. Give it a retweet. Make sure you're following us and Charlie Hustle, and you'll be entered in to win a free T-shirt from Charlie Hustle on Monday. All right, we're going to go to Adam of the Sons of UCF podcast. Let's see what the uh, folks down in Florida think about this game. What's up, Boneheads? My name is Adam. I am part of the Sons of UCF podcast. Happy to be here to give you all some insight on UCF as they travel to play Kansas State this weekend. Big shout out to the uh, the Bosco boys for giving me the opportunity to talk more about my nights and uh, and share what to expect. First things first, let's get a vibe check on UCF. I'd say right now, um, it's a team that's 3-0. Um, there's a lot of excitement around the UCF campus. The problem is we haven't really played anybody in those three games. Kent State, Boise State, Villanova, um, two blowouts and, and one really close game. So while there's optimism, there's also some um, some fear that we haven't really played a lot of competition. And so going into this game against Kansas State, 
I think there's a little bit of a uh, little sense of who is this team really. But I will tell you all this. Our first ever t- game in the Big 12, um, and there is a ton of excitement in Orlando. For those who don't know about UCF, it's been a program that's been up and coming for a long time, and their first opportunity to get into a Power 5 conference, their first opportunity to play in that conference, in a conference game, there was a ton of excitement. So everybody's pumped up for this game. A little, little cautious about what the team will be on the field, but nonetheless, this is a, a watershed moment for UCF fans. I expect you'll see a lot of uh, black and gold in the stands on Saturday night. Uh, what you won't see, though, is quarterback John Rice Plumley. He's probably the most popular, most known entity on the UCF Knights team. He injured his knee against Boise State. Um, he's he's going to be out for an extended period of time. It's been a little vague of what that looks like, so you won't see John Rice Plumley coming to this game. What you will see, though, is backup quarterback Timmy McLean, who is taking snaps. McLean is a kid who played in 2021 uh, at the University of South Florida, a dreadful team that was 1-11, also happens to be the rival of UCF, and uh, switched over to UCF, made the, made the jump in the transfer portal, sat out all of 2022, and got the start against Villanova last week. Played really well, but a kid who hasn't played a lot of football in the last couple of seasons. He's got a live arm. He's left-handed, which can be a little bit unique to, to adjust to. So how he plays on this stage is going to be really interesting to see. Again, he looked good against Villanova, but a lot of people are wondering, okay, is that is that legit or is that just him playing Villanova? He's got some skills. He's got some talent. But again, he hasn't played in a long time. So that'll be the biggest storyline is that the play of the quarterback specifically and how quickly he can acclimate to the offense and make sure to get all of the uh, the playmakers around. Those playmakers, though, are vast, particularly in offense. You're going to hear about two receivers, Javon Baker, Kobe Hudson. They're both big-time receivers. They can stretch the field. Uh, they're not super fast, speedy burner guys, but they're possession receivers. They will get downfield. They'll make big plays. They're physical receivers, uh, and, and they like contact. So those will be two names that you'll, you'll hear about a bunch. An X factor for us actually is a guy named X, Xavier Townsend, speedster, true sophomore. He's made a couple of really explosive plays. He's the kind of guy they like to get in jet sweeps, end arounds, tunnel screens. Uh, he can make a wiggle and get loose pretty quickly. So Xavier Townsend is a bit of an X factor. And then the running back room is, is fairly deep for UCF. You'll see uh, you'll see three different running backs play on Saturday. R.J. Harvey is kind of the, the main bell cow running back, but you'll see Johnny Richardson and you'll see Jordan McDonald mainly around the goal line. So those are some those are some folks you're going to see on the offensive side of the football. On the defensive side of the football, the defensive line is really the unit that carries uh, UCF. And the names you're going to hear a bunch, Lee Hunter, he's like 6'4", 320, a large human being, but really deceptively quick. You'll hear about Traymon Morris-Brash. He's an edge rusher for UCF, leads the team in sacks so far. And they have a young secondary, a name I tell you all to watch out for is Nakai Martinez, true sophomore, had a big pick last week, had a big pass breakup against Boise. He's really coming into his own, so I think that's a uh, you know that's a player that you're going to see on the defensive side of the ball. I think for UCF, though, this, this game really boils down to a few different things. One, they cannot turn over the football. We've had five turnovers in three games. We've only produced three turnovers, so we're already net negative in the turnover ratio right there. UCF cannot afford to turn the football over. They cannot afford to make dumb mistakes and dumb penalties. We've seen that throughout the season. Some drop passes, some tip balls, some some false starts. We had a, a punt return called back for a block in the back. Uh, and so UCF has to minimize the mistakes. It's something they have been a little bit prone to this year. 
They also have to really make sure that the the second uh, layer of the defense, linebackers and defensive backs, are all on the same page. Those positions for UCF are relatively new, all gelling together. Granted, they've got some talent from the transfer portal, but these guys haven't played a ton of football together. So how quickly can they acclimate? What's their communication look like? And are they going to be able to uh, to come together on a big game uh, on the road with a hostile environment and really make sure uh, that we're ready to play? I think if you're Kansas State, a couple of things that you know you you can definitely potentially exploit UCF on is number one, again that that lack of um, experience in the secondary. There could be some short throws available. There could be some uh, opportunities to confuse and disguise coverages. So that's an opportunity I think for Kansas State. And again, really, if you can find ways to uh, to shut down UCF's running game. You know, we haven't really seen or we don't really know what Timmy McLean is like as a passer. We know UCF typically wants to run the ball first to set up the pass. If Kansas State, which obviously has a really uh, stout rush defense, can stop the run and make UCF one-dimensional, we'll see what kind of chips we have at that point. I don't think we've all seen that and know that. Uh, so that'll be a, a really big uh, unknown um, from that standpoint. However, I will say this. This is a team that's full of confidence. It's a team that's built to win now in their first year. Gus Malzahn and this staff have been building for this moment for a couple of seasons now. They've been beefing up the lines on both offense and defense. Skill position players have been coming in from the portal. Timmy McLean, if he can if he can play well, um, and knowing that Kansas State is coming into this game a little dinged up. I think the Knights can really give Kansas State a game. Uh, I don't know if this will come out to be a win. I think this is a really close ball game, and if that's the case, UCF has a kicker in, in Colton Boomer. Yes, that's his real name, Colton Boomer, who hit a game winner against Boise State, also hit field goals in that game of 55 and 50 yards. And so special teams may play a big role in this game. And I think UCF will keep this one close and bring it down to the wire. And at that point, it's really anybody's battle. I'm a homer. I'm going to say my Knights win, but I expect a really, really good game um, from both teams on Saturday night. And again, UCF fans are really excited to get back to Kansas State, get back to Manhattan. We've only played there once, 2010, uh, and some weird phenomenon of a weather storm took over at that point in time, and uh, and Kansas State won that game in a close one, I think 17-13. So UCF certainly is looking forward to getting back to Manhattan, Kansas, and opening up their inaugural game as a member of the Big 12. So to be a good contest, can't wait to see what happens. Again, I'm going to go with my Knights, but I got to do that. I hope you guys all respect that. But I can tell you there's a lot of respect from UCF fans for the program Kansas State has built, uh, for the way Kansas State carries themselves. Um, and I know a lot of fans are looking forward to getting out to, to Manhattan, experiencing everything that, that is out there, and really enjoying the atmosphere on Saturday night. If you like UCF talk, and I don't know why you wouldn't, by the way, you can find us at Sons of UCF. We're all over the place. You can find our YouTube channel where we have exclusive videos, interviews, um, exclusive content. You can find there, again, YouTube at Sons of UCF. Our podcast is available wherever you do your downloadable content. Just search Sons of UCF. Every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time, we have a a live show that streams on uh, YouTube, on Facebook, and then on Twitter or X, whatever you call that. And you can also check us out on our uh, new and revamped website, sonsofucf.com. Again, we'll have you covered for all things UCF related. Uh, again, appreciate the time. Thanks to Scott and the, and the friends at the Boscos for giving us an opportunity to talk to you all. My name is Adam. Everybody have a fantastic, uh, fantastic game. Go Knights and charge on.
And thank you to Adam from the Sons of UCF podcast. Um, I actually think I, if you're listening to this, go back and find it. I think I might have been on their live show um, on Thursday, at least as I'm uh, recording this transition. That is the current plan. Um, look, I, I'm, I'm going back and forth. And again, as of recording this uh, little transition, I, I'm super nervous. Again, all those injuries... Sounds like there might be a little bit of weather again. Uh, it's going to be a wild one, and it, it does sound like there's going to be a decent amount of Knights fans making the trip up. So make sure if you have a ticket, get in there, wear your purple, be loud, and enjoy yourself. All sorts of fun stuff going on throughout the Big 12. But I, I what I'm calling the Big 12 game of the week is Oklahoma State and Iowa State. The, the reason being... You have uh, the two best coaches in program history um, currently in shambles, both programs. Iowa State spiraling towards a uh, second straight season where they're near the bottom of the Big 12 after Matt Campbell uh, kind of brought them to a fraudulent big season in 2020 um, and and a lot of, uh, you know, above 500 seasons even before that. uh, Now feuding with fans after they're screaming at him as he's coming off the field. Um, What's going to happen with Matt Campbell? Uh, Oklahoma State seems to be in shambles, and Mike Gundy is talking like a guy who's trying to get himself fired. So this game is really going to set the trajectory, and I have a hard time seeing the loser of this game holding on and coaching again in 2024. So this is a big kind of linchpin to the future of both of these football programs. So that's why I'm calling it the game of the week. So we're going to go to Philip. We're going to hear what he has to say about this game. uh, And then we'll be talking to you shortly. Call this the game of the week is doing it a disservice. It is the Sicko game of the week. The Sicko committee says so. We call it so. I am affectionately referring to it as El Trashico because Iowa, Iowa State is El Asico. Oklahoma State on the road in Ames to take on Iowa State. This is typically a series that is close, competitive, wild, interesting. It has been a cardiac series. To be honest, one of the closest, most competitive matchups in the Big 12 for the last decade. This year, though, with a total of 36 and a half, take the under. Because this is two putrid teams. Oklahoma State getting their let's just, their butts handed to them by South Alabama at home last week. Iowa State going on the road to Ohio. Not Ohio State, just Ohio and losing we can talk about the field goal controversy. It was a make. It doesn't matter. These are two teams in a tailspin. This is a game between two teams that probably aren't going to make a bowl game this year. For Iowa State, I mean, to be the second year in a row. For Oklahoma State, it would be the first time since 2005. Oklahoma State currently has one of the 10 longest bowl streaks in the country. Haven't missed one since Mike Gundy's first year in 2005. They've had one from 2006 until last year in 2022. But it's hard to look at this Oklahoma State team who's going to line up out there with three different quarterbacks again on the road in Ames, a place that they struggle. I mean, this is a mashup of gross. 
I mean, let's let's run through some of the stats that I've got here. Some of these stats, of course, available on the 1012 Network Patreon. If you want to go become a subscriber, we would love for you to do so. Let me just let me read you some of this. Iowa State, the Cyclone offense has a negative 6.8 expected points added per game mark. The Iowa State offense is performing at negative 7 points lower than expected. The running game alone is at a negative 6.84 EPA. Now, they're going to match up against an Oklahoma State defense that might just be the thing this running attack needs. Opponents are rushing against Oklahoma State 62% of the time, that's 128th nationally, and are averaging 4.4 yards per carry, which is 85th nationally. It's a good opportunity for Iowa State. Oh, by the way, let's let's talk about Oklahoma State's terrible passing attack, 113th in EPA per pass, versus Iowa State's passing defense, 26th in EPA per pass. Iowa State is 8th in the country in passing yards given up, while Oklahoma State is 93rd in passing offense at 203 yards per game. Iowa State's defense is giving up 10.66 points per game. I'm not sure I can tell you Oklahoma State's offense at this point is better than Northern Iowa, Iowa, or Ohio's. Iowa State should win this game. Would it shock you if it didn't? Let's throw a few more uh, interesting historical stats. Let's, Let's, from a betting standpoint... Iowa State has had 26 games with a spread between minus four and plus four under Matt Campbell. The line is currently Iowa State minus three and a half. It would fall in this window. The Cyclones are six and 20. That's the record in those games with losses in each of the last seven and 10 of the last 11. Oklahoma State, since 2015, has had 28 games where the spread is between minus four and plus four. And the Cowboys have won 21 of those and have gone 19-6 and three against the spread. The problem here is that that's a different Oklahoma State team. This is an Oklahoma State offense averaging 16 points per game over the last nine games. This is an Oklahoma State team that I think is in a bit of a spiral, a program that's in a bit of a spiral. You could say the same thing about Iowa State. 2020 feels like a long time ago for Iowa State. Plus, if it's a close game, I mean, Matt Campbell's record in one-score games, I mean, the the plus four, minus four should tell you, but that's just betting. His actual record in close games is atrocious. 0-2 0-2 to start this year, 1-6 last year, 2-5 the year before that. He was 4-2 in 2020. That's his best one-score record at Iowa State. It's not great. All that said, though, I don't think either of these coaches is on the hot seat. I think this is just a game between two teams who would like to have an opportunity to kind of turn their season around. I'm not sure whoever wins this is really going to turn their season around. They're just going to get a nice win And the team who loses is going to feel real bad because there's not a whole lot of other wins available on the schedule for either one of these moving forward. But like I said, I don't think either team coaches on the hot seat. Mike Gundy has been at Oklahoma State since 2005. Name me a coach who's been at a school as long as Mike Gundy has, who's had the level of success that Mike Gundy has, and the program moved off of them the first time they had a bad season. Now, you could argue last season was bad, but we'll just chalk last season up to injuries. Spencer Sanders got hurt. They had a wave of injuries. They were very young. This year, it's, um, oh, it's just not a good roster. They can't pick a quarterback. They didn't make any changes to the offensive coaching staff, and the offense continues to be putrid. Mike Gunny's not going anywhere anytime soon, but this feels like the beginning of the end. Not an end that will come quickly, more of a slow burn than a wildfire. As for Matt Campbell, I mean, there's not a statue of him in Ames, but that's kind of how he's viewed. I wouldn't 
it's not like he's got anywhere else to go right now. It's not like there's some other school coming to get him. He doesn't want to play ball when it comes to recruiting the way you have to at a program that expects to win national championships. So he's going to be in Ames for a long time, or at least as long as he wants to, or Iowa State wants him there. I don't think a bad season's going to send him out. I don't think this bad season has anything to do with the gambling issue. I don't think if they'd had those guys on the roster, Iowa State would be demonstrably better than they have been so far. I think there's two programs at a crossroads who have to figure some things out. I don't think it's something they can figure out in season. Maybe they can make some improvements, but this feels like something that's going to have to be dealt with in the off season. So unfortunately, it's going to be a long year for Oklahoma State and Iowa State. I could be wrong. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm overreacting to the first three weeks of the season. But we only get 12 weeks. Three weeks is a quarter of the year. That's a quarter of the data that we have for these teams. That's enough data to say, ugh. It's a sicko game of the week. Maybe it'll go over. Maybe it'll go under. Maybe we'll set a new record for the Big 12. Did you know that the lowest total points scored in a Big 12 conference game since the conference was formed in 1996 is 12 points? It happened three times in three games in which the final score was 12 to nothing. Happened in 96, happened in 2001, happened in 2004. Can we break the record on Saturday? My gut says no, but it would shock me. And thank you to Philip, the main man over at the 1012 pod the fearless leader of the 10-12 network. Again, I understand maybe a weird choice for Big 12 Game of the Week, but I truly think this game will set forth the trajectory uh, for one of these schools to be moving on from uh, the best coach in their school's history. So I'll be watching that one. Um, yeah, a little bit of sicko to it, but it, it, it I think it's going to have – a lot of ramifications for the future of either of those schools. Before we get over into my guy, Ace Edwards, giving the Wildcat roundup, um, putting this together a little bit later than usual. Sadly, neither the soccer or volleyball team were able to reverse course, both kind of in a rough run of results. K-State soccer dropping 2-0 to the Oklahoma State Sooners and K-State Volleyball getting swept in the first game that they'll be playing versus the TCU Horn Frogs in the Morgan Family Arena. Uh, all three sets are close, but hey, you don't get wins for playing close sets. So after a really encouraging start to both of those teams' seasons, seemingly hitting a wall, but Ace will talk a little bit more about that. Then uh, we'll, we'll close things off. I'll talk to you guys one more time before we call it a day over here at the Bosco's Boys Friday Whip Around. But let's get to Ace Edwards of the Aggieville Alley Cats. Hello, 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 everybody, and of course, all of the lovely boneheads of the world. 
I am Ace Edwards, and you may know me as one half of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. You may also know me as the guy who made the Jalen Daniels and Will Howard videos, but right now, all my job is is to give the Boneheads their lovely weekly recap. Thank you so much to Scott Wildcat for having me on the show. Always a pleasure jumping on, but... Let's just go ahead and dive straight into soccer. First off, there's only one match to cover since the last weekly recap, and that is the Cincinnati versus Kansas State game. Cincinnati entered this matchup at a 1-4 and 2 mark. K-State entered 2-4 and 2. This ended up being a 1-1 draw. Both of the goals were scored in the second half, and K-State's goal was scored by Aliyah Al-Nagar, which was her second goal on the year. This was, uh, it was not the most fun game in the world to watch. Cincinnati outshot K-State 15 compared to K-State's 8, including 7 shots on goal compared to K-State's 1 shot on goal. Both squads only had one corners, and K-State massively outfouled the University of Cincinnati 15-5. And this was the opener of Big 12 play for Micah Dabini's Soccer Cats. And while it's not exactly the best way to open your season with a draw against a team that may be fighting for the bottom, it's better than losing, because at least you get a few points there. In terms of standouts, we've already mentioned Aliyah Al-Nagar, but that's really the the majority of the performances to sort of write home about. Like I said, this game wasn't necessarily one of the greatest to watch, but that was the only game that has actually happened since then. Right now, K-State is going to be going up on a very tough road skid, or road trip, I hope. The trip includes two matches down in the state of Oklahoma, the first of which being up against the Oklahoma Sooners, then the Oklahoma State Cowboys. The Sooners match is the Thursday that this, well, the day before this came out, and then the Oklahoma State match is on Sunday. Then next week will be the TCU and Baylor matchups, but the uh, TCU matchup I think will be pretty telling for where the Dabini Cats are this year, especially in comparison to the other games, which, while I don't think they're unimportant, they're certainly maybe not as big of a litmus test. In terms of the Sooners' record, they're a 4-4-1 team with just a single draw in the Big 12, and the Oklahoma State Cowboys, or Cowgirls in this case, have a pretty solid record of 8-2. So, yeah, both are going to be really tough environments to go down to Oklahoma and face those matchups, but let's hope for at least a moderately good result in favor of the Soccer Cats. That is the Soccer Cats recap. Now we can discuss the Volley Cats recap, and they had a little mini tournament this weekend with the first of the matches being up against Long Island University, who's... uh, to put it kindly, not very good. This year, they were 1-10 before coming in to face K-State. K-State obviously slept them 3-2-0, and it would be 25-20, 25-11, and then 25-10 in favor of your Kansas State Wildcats. 
Anaya Clinton and Aaliyah Carter both led the team in kills with 11 and 8, respectively. But other than that, it was a pretty balanced performance based on the fact that, you know, the match was never particularly close. <laughs> but there's not really much to glean from this other than we're capable of beating the teams that we're supposed to. Which leads us to the next game, which is up against a Rice squad who was receiving votes earlier in this year. They entered this match 5-4 and four in the American Conference, and unfortunately, Rice does end up sweeping the Volley Cats in the morgue. They, it went 25-15, 25-23, and then 25-21. And, you know, it, there's not much to really glean from this one either. Grice is a very, very good squad. I wasn't able to watch much of this because I was in Colombia. Take that information for if I had a good time or not, as you will. But in terms of leaders, it would be Aaliyah Carter and Shaylee Myers leading in kills with 11-7. and seven. Only two aces on the day for the Cats, Aaliyah Carter and Mackenzie Morris. Five blocks by Sydney Bolding, four by Aaliyah Carter, and three by Dahlia Wilson. Izzy Shulsheski had 23 assists, Mackenzie Morris with five, and Lauren Hinkle with four. In terms of digs, Mackenzie Morris had 16, Izzy Shulsheski had 12, and Lauren Hinkle had 11. But again, it just wasn't a very good hitting day for K-State. Throughout the entirety of the match, they only hit .079 in hitting percentage, then although they never went negative, they were always pretty close to being either even or negative. And Rice is a, you know, a pretty good squad. You know, you can't really complain about losing to a squad who's receiving votes. But that leads us into conference play with the first collection of matches being up against another squad who is receiving votes, but this time in the Big 12, and that would be two matches up against TCU. One has already happened at the time of this being released, and the other is tonight, both of which are in Morgan Family Arena. So if you're in the lovely city of Manhattan, Kansas, or the happiest place on earth, feel free to drop by the morgue and see the Volleycats play, because they are still a very exciting team, no matter what the results are. Now, before I sign off here, I first off want to say thank you again to Scott, but there's also a little bit of women's catskipball news, mostly about their uniforms. And if you didn't see it on Twitter, it appears that the women's team will be getting their own version of Big Game Grays. And let me tell you, if you have not seen pictures of it already, they look clean. And that just is one more reason to get excited for this year's Midi Cats or Women's Cats Cabal Squad, whatever you want to call them. But I know, for one thing, they are probably proportionally to revenue the team I am most excited for this year. And if you've listened to my show, you've probably been able to gather that. But that's pretty much all for this weekly roundup. I want to give thanks to Scott Wildcat for again having me on the show. Thank you to all the lovely boneheads for listening to me talk about non-rev sports for a while. And if you want to hear a little bit more of my voice and the voice of my lovely co-host Connor Balthazar, you can listen to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast wherever you get your podcasts from Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Overcast, and we even post on YouTube every once in a while. Plus, with a little bit of bonus content like the film breakdowns we did before this year. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this weekly roundup. Thank you again to Scott. And as always, go Cats!
And thank you to Ace again. If you're not listening to Aggieville Alley Cats, you should be giving them a listen. All right, absolutely big one tomorrow. It's going to be a night game. Everyone make sure you're getting to and from the game safe. One final shout-out to our wonderful sponsors, Manhattan Brewing Company. Again, it's a night game. Make sure you're getting in. Have a couple pints straight from the source. Take a couple four-packs and crowlers to your tailgate. Be the most popular guy or gal at your tailgate by bringing Manhattan Brewing Company. Remember, Townie Wheat is the official tailgate beer of the season for Bosco's Boys. And again, make sure you're rocking your Charlie Hustle gear crew next season again it's going to start off a little hot but hey i think by the end of the game it's going to be in the 50s so make sure you got your crew neck make sure you got your t-shirt honestly gotta have both for a game like that check out charliehustle.com today also check out bosco's boys twitter account because uh, we got our giveaway we got our september giveaway if you're listening to this not too late we're going to announce the winner on monday so get over there retweet it send me your favorite k-state picture of all time Looky here, looky here. You know, it's going to be going just over an hour, and we got all of our segments in. Uh, big time shout out to the entire squad Kellis Robinette of the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle, Cole Carmody of GoPowerCat.com, all the guys over at Sons of UCF, but especially my guy Adam, the head honcho over there. I was on their live show Thursday nights so ago on YouTube or their podcast feed to hear what I had to say with those guys. Uh, and then Philip Slavin of the 1012 Network, the 1012 Pod, uh, setting us up for El Trashico. Um, you know, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, again, I think there's going to be massive implications on the future of each of those programs depending on that game. I think either one of those coaches could be at the beginning of the end at their state or at their stint. And then, of course, Ace Edwards of the Aggieville Alley Cats, with the Wildcat Roundup. That's all we have. Again, be safe. Thank you to all the boneheads. Again, we're approaching record month. Um, we got about nine days left in the month, and we are in striking distance for the most downloaded month of all time. So tell a friend. Uh, and then be a friend, tell a friend something nice, as Pat McAfee says. Uh, be good to one another this weekend. Tell your loved ones that you love them. Uh, and yeah. That's all I got. Pet your dog for me. Tell your dog I say hi. So for my dog, Chauncey Bosco, the best boy in the world, we love you guys and go Cats. Hail to the purple. Hail to the white. Wildcat in spirit. Wildcat in fight. to see onward forever hail victory ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. fight UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight glory in the combat for the purple and the white faithful to our colors we Fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. You can save wildcats for all my mother. Fight, 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 fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors.
Network.